Well, all right. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Doing well? I'm so excited to be able to uh, kick off this new series, Life Apps, with you today. Um, I sort of actually feel a little bit of like one of those important CEOs that come out to, you know, comes out to unveil the new product. Uh, kind of fun for me to be able to kick off the series. And so I want to start off, for those of you who may be a little technically challenged, like me, um, let me help define exactly what an app is. You may be wondering what it is. Well, app is short for the word application. And application software is software that's designed for specific everyday uses. And so you will find apps on a smartphone or maybe a computer, a tablet, all kinds of different electronic devices. Uh, a matter of fact, if you look at Apple's website, uh, they claim to have over 500,000 different apps. They've spent $5 billion having people develop these apps for their products. And of course, we know that there are other companies out there like Android and BlackBerry developing apps as well. So a lot of money and time and effort being made into apps. And so you may ask yourself, well, what's the haps with apps? And so we see that apps are designed to make our lives useful and also to make our lives easier. And since, uh, because of that, we know that there's a slogan that says, if you need something, there's an app for that. So, like I said, most of these apps are very useful and helpful in our daily lives. Um, but then there's others that I have to admit kind of make you scratch your head. Uh, like, let's see, let me see if I can find one here. All right, how about this one? This is called the Hold On app. The whole purpose of this is basically you hold on to a button and the app times you for your all-time record of holding the button. <laughs> Very useful, maybe uh, for a time that you're standing in line at the DMV or something like that, I don't know. All right, let's for another one. Let's see, how about this? The Holy, or the Hello Cow app. All right, so if the Hold On app is not stimulating enough for you, we have the Holy, or the, why do I keep saying Holy Cow? <laughs> holy Cow, look at that app. So the Hello Cap app, Cap. I'm going to go sit down and start over again. All right. So this one, you look, there's a picture of a cow and you press the cow and it says, moo. That's all it does right there. Yeah, that's a brilliant way to stimulate the economy right there. Another one. Let's see. How about this one? This is the hang time app. All right. <laughs> You're going to love this one. So basically the rules for this app are simple. You take your precious and very expensive smartphone you toss it way up in the air, and the app measures the velocity, the G-force, and everything else. It's, it's flying through the air, plummeting to the earth. Hopefully you catch it, or it falls on the ground in a million pieces. You have to buy another one. I'm sure the guy that invented that got a big bonus. Then <laughs> there's this one. Here we go. The iNap at Work app. <laughs> so this is for the times when you had a rough night, and you're a little tired. You walk into work, and you're just feeling a little drowsy. So you set this, and actually it makes sounds for you of mouse clicks, keyboard taps, and paper rustling. So you can have this going, so while you're snapping at work, people think that you're really being productive. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> so as you can see, man, there are several different types of apps, but not all of them really can we trust they're going to be in our best interest, right? Matter of fact, some of those apps could actually turn your smartphone into a dumb phone, <laughs> And so the good news, though, out of all of this is that there is a place that we can find life application that we can rely on 
and that's trustworthy. And where we find that is that God has given us his truth through his word. Because God is a God of truth, it's his very character and nature, his Bible, his word can be trusted as a source of application for life that is true. So there's a great verse as part of our series that comes from James 1.22, and it says this, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Apply it. <laughs> and it continues on in verse 25b. And if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So we can apply God's word to everyday life situations that we face and experience God's presence in power and wisdom through our lives. And so I bring you life apps from God's word. Prepare for download. <laughs> All right. Did you know that um, we actually spend a third of our lifetime sleeping? Matter of fact, some of you have logged in some hours right here in this room. <laughs> third of our lifetime sleeping. Did you know we spend another third of our life doing something else? You know what that is? Working. Right, right. And here's the deal. That's a lot of precious of our waking alive time. And so it makes sense that we would talk about the work app because work is important. It's part of who we are. It's part of what we value in life. So I want you to think about work for just a minute. And don't check out on me if perhaps maybe you're retired or you're going through a period of unemployment or you're you know, a stay-at-home parent. We all have work. I think we can all recognize that we all have work that we do. So as you think of work, what comes to mind? What feelings are you feeling, all right? Now, if you're like two-thirds of the American workforce, probably not a very positive thought or feeling that you're feeling as you think of work. Two-thirds of the American workforce, they say, are very unhappy with their work, which is unfortunate. Many times we see work as drudgery. And uh, in fact, some of you, even right now, you hate your job so much, just the fact that we're talking about work on your day off you're just not real happy about that. <laughs> so I want you to do this. I want you to think back to your very, very first job. My first job was as a paper boy. Here's a picture. <laughs> wow. Skinny as a stick. I think you could have blown on me. I would have broken half. 14 years old, my very first job. I was so excited to work. So excited. Matter of fact, just looking at this picture, man, I can, I can just remember the smell of those freshly folded papers. You know, the feel of the ink on my hands. So amazing. I still feel the sting of those Doberman pinchers that used to chase me on my bike and bite me in my rear end as I was trying to get away. Don't forget that. <laughs> and I remember my first paycheck. Man, that first paycheck, oh, it was so precious to me. I held it and just looked at it. hundred bucks. It was like a million dollars to me. You know, I just felt it, rubbed it against my cheek. I smelt it. I kissed it. It was like my first girlfriend. It was amazing. <laughs> so then we fast forward a few years, you know, move forward a few years. And, and yet I can remember when I used to work at a loading dock for Robinson's May. And I helped load furniture and other products for Robinson's May onto these trucks. And one time I was loading this pallet of perfume. <laughs> it crashed. The whole pallet of perfume just crashed and stunk up the whole entire loading dock. My boss was not happy. That was a rough day. I also remember working for the YMCA. And there was this guy, I got totally overlooked, and a guy with less experience than me got promoted to be my boss. That's just really ugly. That was not fun. 
Or a time that I worked for 10 years and dedicated my heart and soul to an organization and then got laid off right before the holidays. Kind of a rough road. And I'd say for over time, sometimes it's easier for us to have these kind of harsh feelings, these jaded moments about work sometimes. And as Christians, we tend to kind of build this wall of separation, maybe unconsciously, between our personal spiritual life and our, our work life. Because it's hard for us. You know, we come here Sunday morning and we feel so close to God and, and we just feel close to His presence. And then Monday morning, <laughs> hit the alarm, oh, trudging in, here we go. And it's hard to experience God there sometimes. So difficult to sense His presence. And so I, I want to kind of propose this idea that maybe perhaps will help us to kind of transform the way that we view work and the value of it. And that's this, that work is ministry. Huh. And that we're all in full-time service to God. See, we kind of tend to think of, of, of work as this curse. The work was from the, the curse of, after the garden, you know, where God just said, oh, you got to work now. It's something to be endured. But see, work was never meant to be that way. It was never meant to be a curse. God meant it to be a blessing. In fact, what's fascinating is we open the pages of Scripture, the very first picture that we see of God, we see Him working with joy and exuberance. God is, is creating. In Genesis 2, 2 through 3, it says this, On the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation, and so He rested from all of His work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. God's a worker. You see, he worked, he formed, he shaped order out of chaos. And he continues to work today in our lives and in our world and our universe. And in this passage, God introduces us to this beautiful rhythm of a meaningful life, of significant work and rejuvenating rest. And so... When God took and formed human beings in His very image, He created us with a mind and a body, with an imagination and gifts to ex that we exercise through work. See this in Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. You see, from the very beginning, we were made with significant dignity because we were created in the image of God. And we were given significant value and purpose to manage God's creation. Work is so much more than something that we do. It's part of who we are. It's, it's an expression of our creativity and our productivity, of our intellect and our interest, industry. It's, it's the way that we reflect the way that we were created to be like God in His image. And that's why we see mankind, even from the very beginning, in the paradise of the Garden of Eden, mankind is working. And we get glimpses of our future in heaven. And we see there that we're serving and working and, 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 and serving with, with Christ forever in heaven. Work is ministry. A few years back, I was uh, watching this conference. One of my favorite pastors, Wayne Cordero, was, was asking his audience this question. He asked them, how many of you out there are in full-time ministry? Very few hands went up. But then he went on and Wayne reminded his audience of this, that when we become Christians, that we're called to serve Christ 
and to be Christ in every environment, in every way. And see, some of us, who are all ministers, maybe disguised as nurses or teachers, as plumbers or carpenters or handymen or sales clerks, that we are all in ministry together. Kind of want to divide a lot of times. We separate these things out where we have the secular part of our life and then the sacred holy part over here. And then we have this divide where we, you know, we do this subconsciously, I think. But here's the deal. You know, a lot of times we hear this word ministry and all of a, all of a sudden we think of like nun <laughs> or, or pastor or priest. But I want to challenge you to think about this. If that were the case, then Jesus had a secular job for most of his life. From the age of 12 to 30, Jesus was a carpenter. And he, he sawed wood, and he built furniture, and he probably helped build homes. And I just can't by any stretch of the imagination imagine that Jesus just thought of that as his secular job, and that it wasn't meaningful to him, and it wasn't a ministry to him. So how many of us are in full-time ministry? All of us. We all are. That's what we do. And I want you to think about this, really. What would happen if we all were sincere and viewed our work as ministry? What could God do with that? And so that's what we're going to talk about today, is how to make our work a ministry. So before I actually launch in here, I have two things I, I want to kind of talk to you to kind of set it up. And the first one is this, that the outline that you'll see there, um, I, I found out of this incredible book called The Integrated Life by Ken Eldred. And I just appreciated that the way he put that together so much, I wanted to give him credit for that. The second thing is the passage that we're going to look at is a little unusual. <laughs> it's from Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. And in the passage, Paul is addressing slaves and their masters. That may sound very familiar to your work environment. Um, I don't know. But actually, it really relates to all of us who are working. And let me tell you why. See, in ancient Rome, about 30% of the people were slaves. The, the common Roman citizen really kind of viewed work as beneath their dignity. And so they forced slaves to be the majority of the workforce. So Paul's not really endorsing slavery in this passage, but he's addressing the true need of his time, what, what the reality was. And then the other thing is that most of the commerce of this time, we didn't have like the Walmart or the Staples. They were home-based businesses. And so if you could go back and just sort of imagine in your, in your mind a home-based business where you have the homeowner who runs this business, and within his home he would have people, servants, slaves, that would function as the workers. And they would be gathered together to listen to Paul's instructions on his, word, his words about these working relationships. And so, although our time is much different today, you see, the basic principles remain the same. So let's talk about three steps of how, how work becomes ministry. First one is this. It's the ministry of work. You can fill that in there on your listener sheet. Ministry of work. Now, the ministry of work represents the idea that work itself, creating managing, building, interacting, all of these things. These activities are, are so much of, they validate our personhood. They shape our character. And work is significant. And how we work really matters. Ephesians 6, 5-6 says this, 
Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. So it's fascinating that even within the context of this forced labor situation, God elevates the value of work. God blesses us with these gifts and talents and skills and abilities. They're our unique fingerprint, the mark that we make in the world. So part of this ministry to work is when we serve, create, and use our gifts. God's honored when we're good stewards of the gifts that He's given to us and when we discover and fulfill our calling. You know, that's going to look a lot different for each one of us. Each one of us has different areas that we're skilled in. And while the world celebrates significance, what God celebrates is faithfulness. See, significance in God's eyes isn't having this great esteemed position, but it's doing what we do best and doing our best at what we do. That's faithfulness. I remember this time um, I was in Southern California and I went to this greasy spoon restaurant. And when I say greasy spoon, it wasn't just the spoons that were greasy. I mean, this was kind of a shoddy place. And I walked in with very low expectations. And the moment I sat down, up walks this waiter. And just in the way he walked, it was just something special. And, and he hands me this menu with great enthusiasm. He brought me water with lemon. Much, much unexpected in this, in this place. He sat and he went through the menu with me and suggested the greatest dishes that this place had to offer. And on top of that, I, after I sat there for a moment, I could see out of the corner of my eye, he just stood at attention, waiting for any subtle hint of when I would be ready to take my order. And he came by, and he made sure that the food was warm and prepared adequately, sat it before me. I mean, the whole experience was extraordinary. I just started to feel like the most grand VIP in the entire world. I mean, it's just ama amazing what impression this guy left on me. I gave that guy a $20 tip for a $7 meal. I, I was so impressed. I mean, I actually was just blessed about how this guy ministered to me as he served me the meatloaf special. It was just extraordinary. It left an impression about faithfulness. The ministry of work also includes the idea that through our work, we develop our character. We develop our character. In this passage, we see these themes that Paul talks about, themes of obedience, themes of service, pleasing others, and a call to integrity. Paul describes these things as the will of God and that we're to do them with all of our heart. <laughs> Work reveals our true character, doesn't it? And as Christians, we're to reflect the character of God in our work. In fact, God is so much more interested in who you are than in what you do. I mean, think about the fact that you're not going to take your career to heaven, but you are going to take your character. And the primary places that we have our character developed is in relationships and in our work. I mean, think about it. Where else do we have to really work on our patience and our perseverance, on forgiveness and grace? And while we're working on our job, God is working on us. And He uses our work to transform us and to mold us and make us like Him. And when we demonstrate godly character in the workplace, 
we are working hard and doing our best. We're listening to our boss. We're having a good, positive attitude. We're being responsible, and we're going the extra mile. Our key verse is 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and it says this, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, God gets glorified when the character of our work shines the spotlight on Him in the workplace. The second one is ministry at work. Ministry at work. Now, ministry at work, it, it represents the idea that our work environment is an optimal place for us to do ministry. It's a place where we can minister to God and also where we can minister to others. Our place of work is a place of service, and it's also many times a mission field. When we do our work carefully and respectfully, it can be a testimony to those who do not know Christ. It can be an encouragement to believers, and it can be an act of service to God. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8 says this, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good work that we do, whether we are slaves or free. When we view our work as ministry, we start to change our perspective on work, and we also start to change our perspective on who that we're working for. And when we view ourselves as working for the Lord, then everything we do is an act of worship. And therefore, our work, we see that we minister to God and we glorify Him. We glorify Him. God supplies what we need for everything. He fills us with His very Holy Spirit. And when we function in the fullness of the Spirit, we become reliable and productive and cooperative workers. You see, we do everything out of a love for Christ. We do it by the power of Christ, and we do it to the glory of Christ. And this pleases the Lord. So the reality is that we may never get really earthly acknowledgments sometimes from our bosses. Unfortunately, it just doesn't happen all the time. But it's fascinating that even in this case, Paul addresses slaves who definitely never received any earthly rewards. That the Lord always notices and takes note when we do our great work. And that there are heavenly rewards that are waiting for us. There's another important thing to consider as we work, and that's the fact that others are all around us. There are people that are watching and observing us, and people matter to God. I think our work environments provide more of an opportunity for us to be Christ in the world than any other place. And God's placed people around us who are uniquely wired, that we're uniquely wired to reach. So the retired woman that's getting her hair done at the beauty salon, I'm not going to reach her. I just don't go places like that. <laughs> or the guy that's sitting on his motorcycle right now in front of the Nevada club. I can go up, hey, dude, I, he just wouldn't talk to me. But some of you, he would. Some of you, maybe you work with that guy or you work with that gal or they come to your place of work. And so it just spotlights the idea that our work is a huge opportunity and we, we can point others to God through our example and our work. Jesus calls us to be two things. Do you remember what they are? Salt and light, right, and light. And the brighter that we shine through our character, through our work ethic, 
through loving acts of service to those that we're working with, the greater that we become this magnet that draws people to Christ. When I think back in, in the Bible, great stories of people like Joseph and Deborah, people like Daniel. You know, I'm reminded of how their hard work and dedication led them to be play in, into places of influence. But even more than that, how thoughts and minds were changed of rulers and even kingdoms because of the fact that the Lord was so visible in their life, so brilliantly visible. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our ministry at work, it's a place to glorify God, draw people to Him. So think about who in your workplace might be someone that needs to see Jesus in you. And maybe what role might God want to play through you in their life? Number three is ministry to work. <laughs> ministry to work. Now, ministry to work, this idea is that we have something valuable to bring to work with us, to bring to our workplace. As men and women who have God in our life, we bring truth, we bring principles, we bring guidance to work, God's wisdom, and we can make our work environment so much more enjoyable and so much more prosperous by the way that we value others and the way and the insight that we bring to the work environment. Ephesians 6, 9 says this, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. So Paul here is, is, is addressing masters, which in this case we would call the equivalent of Christian employers. And he tells these employers to follow the same example as the employees, that being to do the will of God from all of your heart and to serve the same master in heaven. So when we work for the Lord, see, we bring God's principles into our work environment. And when we do that, we redeem the practices and the policies and the structures of the institution. See, there's too many people in the workforce today that work for the Hoover Company. They're literally getting the life sucked out of them. You know, these are places where work is valued more than the worker, where regulation is valued more than respect, and where the bottom line is so much more important than being kind. But see, when we view people from God's eyes and we see them through His perspective, we see them having value and worth, worthy of dignity and respect and honor. Paul calls on these masters to not threaten those who serve them. See, a Christian employer has this incredible opportunity, a credible opportunity to be an advocate instead of an adversary and to join God's agenda of helping the people that are working for them to discover the, help these people discover their gifts and their abilities and help them reach their greatest potential. And see, as Christian employers or employees, we have this incredible opportunity just to bring wise decisions based on God's standards of righteousness, truth, and integrity, and to seek God's guidance in situations that are unclear. 
Do you know that some of the most amazing discoveries and inventions have been made by Christian workers whose ears and eyes were just in tune with his voice? Have you ever heard of Isaac Newton or Galileo, Pascal, Samuel Morse, the Wright brothers, J.C. Penney, H.G. <laughs> Hines? Did you know that we have Christian ketchup? It's true. In addition to bringing God's truth and wisdom, we bring something even more dynamic than that. When the Christ follower with the Holy Spirit inside them walks into the workplace, we bring God's presence to the workplace. The world is filled with people searching desperately for God. And ministry in the workplace is being Christ's presence in that environment. It's being ready and willing to be used by God in whatever way He deems necessary. You can be an encourager. You can be a support, a listening ear, or a helping hand, a source of help in times of need. And that's why no job and no work could ever just be considered as insignificant or meaningless. See, God desires to reach people in every portion, every nook and cranny of our globe. And you and I are the ones that He wants to use to do that. And so it's another reason why work is so much more than just kind of making enough money to provide for our needs. God has such a greater plan than that. See, most of us work until we have enough and then we retire and stop working. And I think in some cases, God would tap ourselves on the shoulder and He might be calling us to work a little longer than, a little more than just meeting our needs. Maybe we could use that extra income to help someone who's not able to meet their own needs. Or maybe God has a special assignment or some type of kingdom purpose in the world that you could be a part of. Ephesians 4.28 says, Use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. There's just so many great opportunities out there for some of our seasoned veterans to kind of rub shoulders with the youngsters. <laughs> my first job I told you about as a paper boy, my boss was this salty old guy in his 70s. His name was Bill. <laughs> and it was Bill that taught me to show up to work on time. It was Bill that taught me to fling a paper onto the porch, not in the driveway, and how to do it so that you just didn't shred the paper to shreds. It was Bill that taught me how to get the money that I needed to collect when I knocked at somebody's door and they didn't answer the door. He had a method for that. <laughs> See, Bill was a man whose dedication, hard work, and integrity had been fused into him by going through times much more difficult than we're even facing right now. And we need a few people like Bill to get out there and to give a hand to a new generation that's come up expecting a handout. And there's just a whole lot of disconnected young people out there who need someone to connect them to Jesus. So I want to close with this quote from a great preacher from the 1900s. His name was A.W. Tozer, and he said this. He said, It's not what a man does that determines whether or not his work is sacred or secular. 
but why he does it. And so why do we work? See, our work is an opportunity for us to glorify God and to serve others. Our work is a ministry. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Sometimes it seems odd to thank you for the blessing of work. But God, I pray and thank you for the opportunity to express our gifts and our talents and who we are. And I just pray, God, that you help us to view work as an opportunity to serve you, to serve others, and to make an environment, Lord, uh, where we are bringing the best of who we are and the best of who you are to people who need you so desperately. And God, I just want to also recognize that there are people here today that want to work. And perhaps they're either unemployed or disabled or sick. And this message maybe have even stung a little bit. But I pray that you help them to see the value that they have by being your child. And that you have significant work for them to do. I pray for all of us, God, that you meet our needs. And you help us to display you in every place, in everywhere we go. And that we make our life a ministry, something beautiful in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.